What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to or watching as the case may be. Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about questions and faith. Now, that doesn't mean this is an open forum, and I'm going to take all your questions. This means when I say questions, I really kind of mean you're doubting, okay? I think a lot of times whenever folks have doubts or questions, or maybe question when folks have questions, that, see, this is why I do the podcast live like this. Now I've got this better ordered in my mind. What I mean by questions and faith is I believe pandemic to our time is this idea of Christians interpreting people's questions as doubts. And we shouldn't do that. I mean, questions are wonderful. I want you to scrutinize the things that I say because I only want to repeat the things that are worthy of repeating. There are ideas and convictions that I've held over the years that were publicly scrutinized. When I say publicly scrutinized, I'm not talking about like a, like a famous person where the whole country is publicly scrutinizing. I'm talking about my, my circle of friends, my circle of influence, where these things were scrutinized, where I've scrutinized them, and they just didn't pass muster. In other words, they didn't pass the sniff test. Or maybe they did pass the sniff test, and then we got to cutting it open and dissecting it, and it didn't pass the actual test, I suppose. I'll think of a better metaphor later. But the, but the point is, there, there are things and, and ideas that I've had that I've changed, that I've changed my mind over, and just because you question things doesn't mean you're doubting in your Christian faith. Connie Barden, Diana Harden, hold on, I can't see. Equipping Expositors Ministry. It's John Exum. Good to see everybody here. Incidentally, the Christianity Now Facebook group jumped from 15 members to 31 members in the course of two days. Let her rip, folks. Keep following us on the Christianity Now Facebook page. Uh, excuse me, the Christianity Now group. You can follow us on the Christianity Now Facebook page. That's great. But we'd really love to have your interactions and stuff on the group. Um, I did get a comment, some feedback on my podcast from yesterday when I gave the analogy that the devil is in revelation, that the devil's in that pit on a chain. And I believe right now the devil is bound. And a lot of people say, well, it seems like the devil is working in the world. Oh yeah, he is. But as a Christian, if you stay with Christ, you're in the realm and territory of Christ Satan cannot hurt you. It's like that big, bad pit bulldog tied up on a chain out in the yard somewhere. As long as you don't get within the reach of his chain, you're fine. He cannot hurt you. He can't break the chain. Well, that's the same way with Satan. Stay out of Satan's territory. That's the idea. And somebody said that that analogy was perfect. I think that I come up with that all by my loans. However, Obviously, I was influenced by other people. I don't think I got that off of somebody. When I say that, I, I say, I don't, I don't think I stole that. A lot of stuff I steal. All right. Anyway, 
Let's get going. Let me go to the chat here and get where I can see the chat. That's right. His influence exists in the world today for sure. And if you want to be influenced by Satan, just give way to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You'll be in his realm. But I love that one of, the, one of my favorite verses of Scripture is Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Folks, if you're in Christ, Satan cannot harm you. You have to allow him in. That's profound. All right, let's get going with the podcast. Question, do questions equal doubt? Let me, let me tell you a story from when I was very, very young. I was in a Bible class, and I had a mind toward being able to understand, um, being able to understand um, these these abstract concepts of evolution and all the periods that sci- I don't anymore because I haven't thought about it in a long time. But I was pretty well versed in in the evolutionary theory, and it didn't make sense to me. Are we buffering? I hope. I hope. Let me. Let me. I'm going to do something here real quick. I don't think, I don't think this is an issue with my end, but I'm going to uh, make sure that I've got my camera set to where it's supposed to be. My camera is set to 720 at 30 frames. Um, uh, John, we're going to talk about Thomas today, actually. That's probably going to be the meat of the podcast is talking about Thomas. So yeah, I appreciate that. Let me read your comment. Some people give Thomas a hard time, and I don't like that folks call him Doubting Thomas. All Thomas wanted was the evidence. That is reasonable. That is not necessarily a doubt in in that situation. I believe, uh, or in that situation, I believe, besides Jesus did not rebuke Thomas for wanting to see the evidence. Yeah, here's the thing. I have no problem, and, and for the sake of the podcast, I have no problem with saying that what Thomas did was doubt. Doubting is fine. In fact, doubting is a synonym for skepticism. Think about this. I'll use this analogy. Um, oh, yeah, Connie, hope, hopefully you're not buffering anymore, but I did change the camera, and I think it's better. Yeah. Sorry, I'm waving my hand to see if it's jumpy. I'm cheating. Technically, I'm supposed to have a USB 3, but this is a USB 2, but it still works dot, 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 good enough. So you know how, I mean, usually I let perfection hold me up from being good enough, but we're going to be okay. This is good enough for the camera. Anyhow, back to the illustration. Um, Yeah, scrutiny. Uh, Skepticism. That's what doubting is. A few years ago, with with the Harvey Weinstein stuff come out, this hashtag Me Too and hashtag Believe All Women. And listen, let me me put this in its perspective. If my daughter, and and this, this is emotional for me, if my daughter came to me and said, I have been great, okay, and I use that word on purpose. You know what I'm talking about. Believe her. I will believe her. I will not question her whatsoever. But 
If she comes to me, even my own daughter comes to me and says, Ed graped me. I have no doubt I'm going to believe that she was graped. I'm going to treat her as if she's a victim and, and comfort her and console her. But I have a moral duty to be skeptical of the accusation against an individual because people, and this goes all the way back to God set this up, people are innocent until proven guilty. So we have a moral imperative to be skeptical. I believe that that, that applies also to what we learn from God's word, to the claims made by religious leaders, and all that good stuff. I know this isn't the DBS prayer show, but our family would love prayers from the viewers of, for hardships and suffering we are facing. We pray for increasing reliance on him and more focus on and faith on eternity oh man page um yeah so we don't typically lead a prayer in in in, in my in my shows not because i'm opposed to it it's just you know you you hit on it it's time and a place for everything but um even though we might not have a formal prayer on this show whenever somebody says something like that it goes into my notes and I and I formally pray, and 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 you will be prayed for by me, and I dare say you will be prayed for by many others. In fact, prayer is so powerful. Let's do this really quick. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we pray at this time for Paige Perry and her family, and please honor the request that she has. Uh, this good sister wants to do what's right. She wants what's right for her family, and give her strength and her family's strength that she's facing those hard times. In Jesus' name, amen. I know that was unorthodox because I was looking at the camera. That was weird. But anyway, God, I mean, God heard it and God knows it. And if everybody listening prayed along, then you had just had a group of people collectively praying for you, sweet sister. Hello, Sheila Cole. Good to see you. And um, I can't believe, I can't remember if I said hi to everybody. If I haven't said hi to you, it's just because I'm not a good person, I guess. And uh, I forgot, so... Just consider yourself said hi to. Sometimes we see people guilty before they're proven innocent. Absolutely. Yeah. And and, and anyway, so my point is with Thomas, he, he, I, I don't I so Thomas did doubt. Who cares? And and I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong, John. I'm just giving that that extra layer of 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 my perspective there. Like I, I don't I don't care if, if the scriptures say and lo, Thomas doubted whether or not Jesus was actually the Son of God. Hey, I still don't think he should be called Doubting Thomas. I think he should be called Faithful Thomas because in many ways he showed, he, he, I mean, he, he showed as much or more faith than his contemporaries. Hide and watch. Good morning. I, I, I think I've seen you in the, in the comment section before, hide and watch. Hide and watch was, is a... Is is a colloquial term that we used to use as kids. Like if somebody, like if you say, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run up there and I'm gonna chop that grapevine and I'm gonna swing across that gullet," well, your buddies might say, "That's stupid." No, you're not. And you just look at them and say, "Well, you hide and watch." <laughs> like I am gonna do it. Uh, I'm probably wrong. He did doubt, but he did not constantly doubt all the time. Is what I mean. Yeah, John, please. I, I'm. Uh, I was I was I almost I almost didn't want to 
listen, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think Thomas, I don't think Thomas can be characterized as doubting because he questioned some. And of course, that's the point of the podcast today. So like I said, I don't think you're wrong. I just, I was trying to, to, to flesh it out some. My preacher and I were chatting last night just for encouragement. And we mentioned to each other how the Church of Christ as a group attracts analytical thinkers and those who question because we do rely so heavily. And the comment cuts off there. Um, but yes, I, I think you're right. Oh, we do rely so heavily on Scripture and Bible teaching and Bible things and Bible ways. Being educated on the Bible requires some level of questioning. Yes, it does. And uh, Sheila Coe says we are to test what we hear and see and not buy everything we see. Thomas was being sure, not unfaithful. Absolutely. And uh, hold on a second. Right here. Let me get this. There it is. Uh, Connie Barden, uh, I keep trying to figure it out, though. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, I, I, I didn't realize. Y'all are trying to figure out your internet connection and stuff like that. Oh, YouTube has a character limit on comments. Well, I didn't know that. And uh, John Exum says, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. That's it. And that goes right along with what Sheila said. We are to try the spirit to see whether they're not, to, to see whether or not they're of God. Incidentally, did y'all know that that is, that is authority for a doctrinal questionnaire? Oh, I've had people, when I've required a doctrinal questionnaire to preach on a lectureship or something, I've had people get plum offended. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I've, I don't know you like I know my close circle of friends. And while everything on this doctrinal questionnaire isn't actually a matter of fellowship, I need to know about you and how you're going to handle uh, certain matters of judgment and academic pursuit because I've got to assign you a topic, you know? So anyway, all right, let's, let's go. Well, we're kind of getting into the meat of the podcast. Let's hear a word from our sponsor. So every, every episode we have a sponsor and it's been uh, for the latest, for the last few weeks or months, Lindsay Dotson at lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. Are you part of a congregation seeking effective ways to spread the word about your event? Well, look no further. Lindsay Dotson specializes in designing modern advertisements for churches. Whether it's flyers, postcards, or social media graphics, Lindsay has got you covered. Reach out through a private message on Facebook or send an email to lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. It's on the bottom left on the screen. LindsayFayDotson at gmail.com. Email her for more details. Don't miss this opportunity to make your message resonate far and wide. Contact Lindsay Dotson at LindsayFayDotson at gmail.com today. And you can support the show by supporting her and getting her to do your um to do your uh flyer and advertisement for your upcoming event. Uh don't forget about the tip jar near churches at gmail.com. You can send us a PayPal. You can also do uh, stars on Facebook, and you can look at the show notes, buy me a coffee, and Patreon. So, uh, the article that I wrote for this uh, released on Substack this morning. I actually schedule. I try to schedule those um, articles to upload at five in the morning my time. So that's three in the morning central, but that gets early in the morning for just about anybody that would that would be ready to look at them. 
Um, but this is faith and questioning the a Christian, the Christian journey. Um, Sue Ross says it just keeps freezing. Then you say maybe four words, then it freezes up again. I hope uh, I'm assuming only you and Connie Barden is having that issue. Like I said, it may be your internet. I hate that. And Diana Harden says, we have enough blind sheep in the world. We need to question and study to rightly divide the word. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Within the Christian experience, faith and questioning are not opposing forces, but integral elements of a believer's spiritual life. The biblical narrative provides ample evidence of this relationship, showcasing instances where faith is not a mere acceptance of dogma, but an active engagement with the deepest questions of life. And I've got Job. I've got uh, the psalmist. I've got uh, the gospels. And I've got Paul's epistles. And then I've got a couple of other, um, a couple of other segments. But let's talk about Job really quick. Um, okay, cool. Uh, John Exum says you're clear on my end. And he also says, every new Christian, although I don't think there is such an animal as an old Christian, LOL, may begin doubting some things, but we all must grow in grace and knowledge. We are not born again with an automatic knowledge of everything. That's absolutely correct. All right. Job's story is a study of faith under fire, folks. His life is marked by extreme suffering, and it presents a man who does not discard his questions in the face of adversity, and he also does not blindly follow and accept the dogma of his friends. Instead, he brings these questions, these doubts that he might have, directly to God, affirming his trust even as he seeks answers. His declaration, though he may slay me, Yet will I trust in him? Job thirteen fifteen. It is not a surrender of his desire for understanding. Rather, it's an affirmation of his steadfast faith amidst his quest for meaning. Folks, Job, Satan did a lot of bad things to Job, and Job's friends said, the reason this is happening to you is because you're wicked. Little did they know the reason this was happening to him was because he was righteous. Job was 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 a perfect man, an upright man who feared God and eschewed evil. That's why Satan went after him, and and we typically think the battle may be between Satan and 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 Job. I don't think that's the case. I rather I rather associate myself with the late and lamented Curtis Cates. The battle was not between Job and Satan. The battle was between Satan and God, and Job was the battlefield, and buddy, Satan went scorched earth. And Job simply wanted to know, hey, what have I done to deserve this? Why is this happening to me? I want to know. I haven't changed anything, and I'm still faithful to God, so why is this happening? And He never lost his faith in God. In all this, Job sinned not with his mouth, which tells me, incidentally, that having some doubts and questioning God 
That's not a sin, folks. Job's wife even came to him. Hey, why don't you just curse God and die? Job said no. And and incidentally, Job was wrong here. Job said, woman, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord may have given him all that, but the Lord didn't take it away. Satan did. Anyway, so Job had his doubts, had his questions, but he never lost his faith in God. And remember his statement, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. It's not a surrender of his desire for understanding these questions, or it's not his desire for wanting God to assuage his doubts. But rather, it's an affirmation of his steadfast faith amidst this quest for a deeper meaning. Let's talk about the psalmist. The Psalms, the authentic voice of human emotion, folks, the Psalms in their entirety are a collection of heartfelt songs that convey the breadth of human emotion, including moments of doubt and uncertainty. They exemplify the practice of bringing one's entire self to God, questions, fears, and all. In Psalm 73, probably one of my favorite psalms, folks, the psalmist wrestles with the apparent injustices of life, yet he finds solace and understanding in the presence of God. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Psalm 73, 17. It is in God's presence that the psalmist questions are met with divine perspective. It is not wrong to question. It would be wrong to blame God, but I may be wrong about that. No, I think it would be wrong to blame God because that is not the truth. If God didn't do it and you blame him, well, that's that's bearing false witness against God. If John, if you did something and, and I accused you of it, then I'm bearing false witness against you. That, that puts in a whole different perspective, doesn't it? I think I just come to that realization right now. If we blame God for things he didn't do, then we're bearing false witness against the judge of all the earth. And we're doing something directly to God that according to Proverbs chapter 6, God considers an abomination. Folks, I think I'd be very, very careful what I blame God for. Anyway, Psalm 73, the psalmist had to have a change of perspective. In fact, if you'll read that psalm, Psalm 73, the psalmist at one point states, I have washed my hands in innocency. In, in innocency I have Basically, I've obeyed the gospel. I've, I've, be, I've, I've done what I'm supposed to do in vain. Why do the evil prosper? Why are there so many injustices? When I sought to understand, it was too much for me. But when I went into the sanctuary of the Lord, of God, then understood I their end. Folks, we need to change a perspective. The gospel, this is the New Testament. Faith meets doubt head on. I love this right here. And I, I, I've somebody asked me about a passage of scripture, and it caused me to do more reading in the book of Mark. This is from where this comes. The Gospels, too, reflect this dynamic. A poignant example is the father 
who brings his son to Jesus for healing, his heartfelt admission, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Mark 9.24, it captures the essence of a faith that is honest about its own complexity, holding the belief and doubt in the same hand, seeking Jesus' aid in the struggle. So, yeah, that's such a, help me, I believe, help me in my unbelief. So, like, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you're able to do this. I believe, but... But this is so outside of what I would normally understand that I have doubts. I have ingrained doubts that I can't get over. So help me in my doubts. I believe in you, but I'm still doubting. Help me in my doubts. Heal my son. Folks, sometimes that's the way we got to come to God. Listen, I'm hoping against hope. I'm, I'm, I'm believing against belief. I know, Father, that you love me. I know you have an overarching plan for humanity. And even though it's not revealed, I believe you have a plan for me. Help me, Father. And cast your cares on him and be done with it. All right, chat. Um, <laughs> Sue Ross says, I'm afraid to comment because it's going well now. I heard the same sentence several times before it ever went on. Well, hopefully you've got her licked. Hopefully hopefully th- th- you can finish out the rest of the program. Terry Crook says, Many terrible things have happened in my life, and people are wondering if I'm cursed. All I can tell them is I'm still standing, so God is keeping me strong through my trials. Amen, Terry. Uh, Keith Moser told us of a woman that, was a member of the congregation where he was preaching at the time. And he said how much she encouraged him because very much like what you said, it's like, well, are you cursed? You know, bad things keep happening to you. And her attitude was, why not me? And like that, look, that that's dark. That's brutal. That's Terry. I would never, if you came to me and said, Tony, I just need to talk to you. Um, I feel like my life is cursed. I've had all these things happen to me. Why do you think all these bad things are happening to me? Look, that's Job. Okay, you're allowed to feel that way. But I would never look at you and be like, well, why not you? You think you're better than anybody else? No, I wouldn't do that. But that's the way this woman coped. She said, yeah, so I got cancer. Yeah, so my husband died. Yeah, so I've had this. Yeah, so that. Why not me? Got to happen to somebody. And again, I, I I I would never comfort somebody with those words, but good grief. That I mean, she she was brutal. But I mean, there's utility in that in that mindset. There one thing about it, the woman was not a victim. And from what your comment reads there, I don't think you consider yourself a victim. I think you consider yourself a pilgrim on this journey, and your journey might be harder than the fellows next to you, but you're gonna make it. Sheila Cole says, let me get this where I can read this. I'm struggling and have asked God if I've done something to make him angry. And I'm being punished. My grandson was found dead two months ago and at times close to obeying the gospel but never did. Already having high anxiety, having two officers come to your door telling you this, knowing my precious grandson is lost. I'm not blaming God, but rather, but, but rather is God mad at me? Um, 
no, uh, I do not believe that God is mad at you. I believe that there is evil in the world. And Peter, Peter says we need to suffer not as evildoers, but as godly people because we're going to suffer. And the sad truth of the matter is right, wrong, or indifferent, whether it's through their own actions or the actions of others, some people suffer more than others. There is somebody, and I don't know how much comfort this will bring you. It might not bring you any comfort. It might just make you mad as a hornet. Some people are some people are looking at your life and wishing they had it as good as you. Some people are looking at your life and saying, God Almighty in heaven, please strengthen that person. I don't see how they can put one foot in front of the other. I don't see how they can keep going. Maybe that helps, maybe it doesn't. But I don't think, and and this goes for Paige Perry or Terry Crooks or Sheila Cole and anybody else. There's evil in the world. Some people suffer more than others. And if you can ever get to a point in your faith journey where you can take this suffering in this life and wear it as a badge of honor, and you've got to understand how much easier that is to say than to actually do, then I think you'll have this licked. And I would figure by about the time you get really, really good at perfecting that attitude will be about the time you go the way of all the earth and you'll be in paradise and you won't much care about it anyway. Rusty Kirby says, as in Job's case, we, oh, I can't read. Hold on a minute. Dot, dot, dot. Let's hit the reset button. Okay. As in Job's case, are we then, are we to then know that God allows such things to happen to us because the world is what it is and evil and we are to overcome this world? Rusty, I think there's a sense in which that is correct. Uh, peeling back the layers of theology and looking deeply at Scripture um, and the overarching theme of Scripture and some what some things might mean in their context, I'm thinking that nobody on earth suffers exactly the way Job does because Job did it once. In other words, I don't think Satan is going to, excuse me, I don't think God and I know I'm using the word think, and, 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 and people usually aren't comfortable with Bible teachers using that word think. It is my conviction, my studied opinion, that because Job, because Satan allowed was allowed to do what he did to Job to prove a point, that no one else in the world is allowed to be touched by Satan so. In other words, if you suffer as an evildoer, or if you suffer and, and, and you're suffering because of sin, that's just built into the system of the cosmos. That's not Satan directly touching you. And let me give you an example of what I mean. Uh, let's go to the book of Romans chapter 1, and there's a verse there 
that is very interesting to me. Um, Verse 27 of Romans chapter 1, And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and, now this is the point of interest here, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. So if a, if a, if a society of people turns to sexual promiscuity, do you think God is in the clouds? Does anybody think God is in the clouds and says, oh, that person has had sex with nine different people. Zap, that person now has a sexually transmitted disease. Or do you think when God said, let there be light, and he goes through the creation process, that he creates rules of the cosmos, and his intention is one man, one woman, for life, and I hope you can't hear very badly that water heater, but if his intention, the rule of the cosmos, is uh, monogamy, then... If you deviate or pervert God's rule for the cosmos, then these biological anomalies are going to arise and you're going to pass around these these diseases. And so if you have sex with a bunch of different partners, you get AIDS or you get herpes or you get some other, you know, gonorrhea or some other sexually transmitted disease. That's not God nor Satan directly giving you to that disease giving you that disease that's simply the way god set up the cosmos and you have perverted the plan okay i think that's the way it works today that's the chastisement of the lord now you might well say that satan entered into the heart of an individual and because of that because of that individual and his lust and inviting Satan to live in his heart instead of God, then he he contracted a sexually transmitted disease because he perverted the plan of God. So that it's how you conceptualize these things. Again, I don't think Satan is allowed anymore to actively touch somebody like he did Job. But there are rules. And what Satan tries to do is kind of like Balak and Balaam. Uh, Balaam was visited by Balak and said, I want you to curse the children of Israel. Balaam, long story short, said, I cannot, but I can show you how to turn their God against them. And so Balak paraded the women of Moab in front of the children of Israel, and they went a-whoring, and they fell out of favor with God, and Balak was able to greatly harm them so that that's how satan works satan plays on your desires your fleshly desires and tries to get you to pervert the law of the cosmos god's moral law and when you pervert god's moral law bad things happen now the the sad thing is and this is what sheila cole is dealing with with the loss of her grandson sheila cole is dealing and and i'm sure Paige perry and terry crooks they are dealing with the consequences of other people violating the law of the cosmos, and they are collateral damage in that, in that particular infraction 
of God's moral law. And that's, again, that's Christians suffer just like evildoers suffer. But if we can conceptualize our suffering as a proving ground for eternity, then we'll be able to bear it a little bit better. In other words, you're, I don't want anybody to be validated in a victim mentality. Like, woe is me, woe is me. I don't have any control over anything. This bad thing happened to me. It's not my fault. I think if, if, if you take culpability and you, and you boil it down to a percentage, so let's say, well, let's say if, let's say if I walked down the street in downtown Moncton and I was robbed, okay, that's not something that I did. I'm not, I'm not responsible for that, but if I'm, if I feel exposed, if I feel nervous, if I have high anxiety now about going out in public, how can I, how can I defeat that? I have to think, well, even, even if this is not my fault, 100%, I've got to take ownership of it. So what could I have done to stop that situation? Well, maybe I could have had more situational awareness. So I learned to put my head on a swivel. Maybe I could have, God forbid, carried a weapon. And, and, and I would have been more powerful and I've been better able to protect myself. Maybe I was garishly flashing large amounts of cash or jewelry. And, and that's what got me. It's just, what could I have done to stop that situation? And then you take ownership of it, and then you can you can you can problem solve from a position of power instead of a position of weakness. Uh, and it's not that we want to victim blame. Again, I would never if you if you call me up and say, "Man, Tony, I was walking downtown Memphis and I got mugged, and I'm broke and all this." I'm like, "Well, you dummy, what was you down there for? Didn't you know any better?" I wouldn't do that immediately, but the more we talk, the more I could say, hey, you know, when you're walking downtown Memphis, it's better to make sure that you, you're inconspicuous. You know, don't have a lot of gold chains, don't have a lot of gold jewelry, don't have a big old money clip with all your cash where people can see it, you know, stuff like that. Um, because granted, being robbed is 100% the, the robber's fault if you were robbed, but the only way that you can function in this world and, and walk through this world with any kind of sanity, like you have any kind of control over anything is, is radical responsibility. You're going to take ownership of every situation you're in and the outcomes of it, regardless of whether or not it's your fault. So, and again, that, that ties into the podcast because how can we, be like Joe, be like the psalmist, and still come out the other side of tragedy and hardship and evil coming against us and, and, and have our faith in God. Will we take ownership, you know? Now, how could you do that? I'm going to use Sheila since she so bravely uh, uh, made that long post about her grandson and stuff. I have no idea what I could tell Sheila in the moment, but what I would do is I would have, I would have sessions where I allowed Sheila to talk and we could talk about this whole thing 
And then we could find, after several hours of conversation, we could find some point that we could focus on where she could feel empowered. And she's still going to be grieving. She's still going to feel hurt. But it's going to hit differently when somebody functions from a position of power instead of a position of weakness. And and that's that's how we bear one another's burdens, folks. You don't have to have a degree in psychology. You don't have to you I mean you just have to have an empathetic listening ear and and all that good stuff. Anyway, Connie Barden. And something I said in that whole spiel, Terry Crook said so true. So thank you for that. My sister died last year from cancer. We knew she was going to lose the battle. I tried and tried to get her to repent and be baptized, but she would not. He even stopped taking my, oh, she even stopped taking my calls. She lived in California, and, and I'm in Arkansas. It breaks my heart to know where she is, but I believe God knows I tried. And she had, and she had been in the Church of Christ as a child, so it wasn't new to her. Oh, man, I'm so sorry to hear that, Connie. You know, my biological father, uh, he died tragically. And I've told this story. I've got a podcast where I actually tell the whole story. I'm not going to tell it now. But uh, he he died tragically in a horrific accident. And he died the Sunday before the Monday um, I was to enter into seventh grade. And so, uh, yeah, that's that's rough. And incidentally, um, the difference between me and, and you, Connie, is I knew my daddy was lost, but I prioritized an earthly relationship. Now, keep in mind, I was only like, so if I'm in kindergarten at four years, uh, seven to four, I was 10, maybe 11 years old. Well, actually, I would have been 10 years old because he died in August and I would have been 11 in October. So, I mean, it's not like I was a grown person, but. I was a Christian. I'd been baptized into Christ and the great commission applied to me. And I know I didn't talk to my daddy about Jesus because I didn't want to, I didn't want to, uh, strain the relationship. And I've had to live with that for all my life because I chose to make our earthly relationship easier. And now I have no hope of an eternal relationship with him because he's, he's not, he's, he's, he's in torment ready to his ready for his final destination to spend an eternity in hell. And it bothers me every day. And uh, I think, boy, that song, you never mentioned him to me. It hits really hard for me because I didn't. And I know all the excuses. Well, Tony, you were so young. Well, Tony, he was your daddy. Well, Tony, he wouldn't have listened. Like, yeah, you're right. All of that is correct. And it doesn't change the fact that I didn't say anything. Anyway, Replying to Connie Barden, so sorry uh, for your loss. I talked to my grandson many times, and he came close to obeying the gospel. It's so hard to accept their loss. So, absolutely. So let's let's leave off the the article. I want to uh, I want to finish. Uh, we'll we'll finish, and this the podcast to be about an hour long. Don't forget our tip jar and how to support us. By the way, and incidentally, five dollars a month on Substack. We would love for you to support us there. Listen to this verse in 1 John. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, 
that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Do you think that doubting is wrong? We have the book of 1 John written to people that believe on the name of the Son of God so they may know. Folks, that's so they can have assurance. God doesn't want us to doubt, and God will do everything he can to assuage our doubts, and I am thankful for that. Now, let's talk about Thomas. Oh, I like Thomas. Oh, oh, doubting Thomas, so-called. Well, as we've already discussed, me and John Exum, we don't think he's doubting Thomas. I'd rather him be called faithful Thomas. Listen to this. Now, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany. This is John chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Uh, so a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Then Jesus heard that and said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, he said to his disciples, Let us go up to Judea again. And his disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Well, Jesus answered and said, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Well, then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he shall do well. Meaning they, they like, well, well, we don't understand, Lord. He's fine if he's sleeping. Like, no, no. Jesus had to tell him plainly. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest and sleep. Then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us go, let us also go, that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Folks, I believe that statement by Thomas is profound. Let us go that we may die with him. That's not a doubter. That's a faithful man. Thomas wanted to know. Thomas wanted the answers. Thomas did not want to have a blind faith. Folks, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is not blind. Faith is not afraid of questions. I started a story in the beginning of this podcast. I got sidetracked and I never finished. When I was in sixth grade, I started asking questions in a Bible class, and I am not resentful. I'm not going to mention this man's name because I love him dearly. He's gone on to his reward, and he affected me very positively in my life. But there was a shortcoming in this situation, and, and this was a negative exchange. 
I was asking questions about evolution, and it was questions he could not answer. Not questions that couldn't be answered. I was just a dumb kid, but questions that he couldn't answer because he wasn't as well-versed in the evolution and explanations and the apologetics as I was. What he did to me was he pointed me out to the class and said, this is an example of a person who has lost their faith. Don't be like them. And I'm like, wow. I mean, that, that, that harmed me. Like, I haven't lost my faith. I just want to know. How many times has that happened to people in the Lord's church? I mean, you know how staunchly we believe that baptism is for remission of sins? Have you ever talked to somebody and tried to have an honest conversation about belief at the point of confession or belief at the point or uh, salvation at the point of confession or salvation at the point of repentance or salvation at the point of, of belief only? And you ever tried to properly scrutinize that from the position that your conviction could be false? Folks can't take it. And we need to be able to do that. We need to be able to be so comfortable with our salvation and our new life in Christ that we can go talk to our Father and, and, and express our doubts. To express that, look, there's things that, that I disagree with God about. I do not believe there's a denomination in the world that the members of it are going to be in heaven for eternity. And that bothers me because I know how much they love the Lord. Oh, man, I've heard people talk about, well, those, those folks down there in the Baptist church, they're not following God's commandments. And Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So they don't love Jesus. I'm like, you, you can't be that stupid. You can't be that stupid. You think those people don't love Jesus? Let me tell you, when I was in Aubrey, Arkansas, I door knocked on a lady's house. And all I heard was, come in. It was an old woman. And she was sitting in this recliner by a window so she could have light. And she was reading her Bible when I came in. And this woman, she, let me tell you something. She loved Jesus. But she was wrong. And it bothers me that that, that that woman is not going to be in heaven because she was the matriarch of her family. She was beloved. She was moral. She was upright before a fellow man. And she just did not believe that in order to be saved, you had to be baptized. From her idea, she was, she was saved whenever the Holy Ghost changed her heart. And she was baptized as an outward show of an inward change. So she has not obeyed the gospel. She has obeyed another gospel, which is not another gospel. Reference Galatians chapter 1. So I'm being pretty vulnerable here, I guess. It's not anything I haven't shared before. But I just, I pray about this a lot. I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure these people and these denominations that are so sincere, that are so devout, 
that are so loving, that love you so much, are you telling me that they're going to spend an eternity in hell? Does that make me unfaithful? Does that make me a bad Christian if I question those things? Because I go to God with them. I would hope it wouldn't. I would hope it wouldn't make you think less of me. And I will tell you this. I treat those people a little bit differently. I treat those people a little bit differently than I used to. Because, you know, used to I was pretty hot-blooded. Um, my blood's kind of cooled down. Anyway, doubts. Chilico, sadly, sometimes brethren offend in teaching by realizing people and denominations can and do love God. They are just, they just need to untangle the truth. They are just, well, Sheila, I think that's a typo. But they're sincerely wrong is, is the, the last, the, what I get from that last sentence. Um, and Diana Harden says, not at all, Tony. I think we all feel as you do. I would, untaught, awesome. Let me read the comment now, Sheila. Uh, usually I can, I can, I can figure out what word somebody meant, but that, that didn't had me, that didn't had me. All right. Sadly, some brethren offend in teaching, uh, by realizing people and denominations, uh, can and do love God. They are just untaught in the truth and sincerely wrong. That's right. Aren't you glad that with age comes wisdom and we change our minds when we learn better? I am Hey Hey Alabama. And I, I tell you, I guess that's what it is then, wisdom. My blood, like I said, my blood doesn't run as hot as it used to. I'm not as quick to, boy, whenever I was younger, especially whenever I first um, started preaching and teaching and stuff like that, I'd, boy, I'd call somebody out to go to hell and in a heartbeat and, Listen, I've I've adopted that. I, there's two articles on Substack. One is uh, about a phrase that changed my entire approach to ministry. That's he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the other is about a codependent, a spiritually and religiously codependent congregation. I urge you to read both those articles. Um, that that'll give you a window inside my head. And to that statement, Tony, uh, we gave members, we have members saying, well, God can save who he wants, meaning those in denominations can be saved. And I disagree with that. Either we have to do what God says or it doesn't matter what we do. Absolutely. So that, that I go back to that phrase in Mark. Um, I believe, so help me in my disbelief. I believe that if you are a member of a denomination, you're not going to make heaven. Now, almighty God, help me in my disbelief. I believe, but help me in my disbelief. Because, like, I want so much to be able to say, like, look, man, God, the judge of all the earth is going to do right. And if God wants to, he can save all those people in those denominations. The problem is he can't because he's limited by his word. He can only save the people he says meet these criteria in his Bible. In his in his compendium, in his word. So God, I believe, but help me in my disbelief. 
the doubt you have could lead you to ask the right questions to get you closer to God. Yes. Unequivocally, without reservation, yes. The theme of the whole show right here. Oh, how do you do that? All right. The theme of the whole show right there. The doubt you have could lead you to ask the right questions to get closer to God. Folks, if, if we don't have any doubts, if we don't have any questions, what are we? Well, we're a bunch of blind followers. And you know what Jesus says about the blind leading the blind? Because if we never have doubts, if we never have questions, we're blind followers. But then we have people who follow us, and they'll be blind as well. We can't lean on our own understanding, feelings, or wants. Yep, I'll go. I have this, I have this queued up for just such an occasion. The heart is deceitful above all things. Don't trust it, folks. Who can know it? You're going to have doubts. That's fine. Incidentally, that's Jeremiah 17, 9. Folks, I think I'm done. I hope you go to Substack and, and subscribe to the subscribe to Substack. You don't have to be a subscriber to have access to all the articles. Every once in a while, I do put out an article that's only for the paid subscribers. I try my best to offer uh, uh, stuff exclusive for subscribers while also not appearing as this is just a money grab and everything is behind the paywall. I want to offer a bunch of free content as well. And anyway, I hope that this podcast has empowered you. I hope that it has poured cement to your foundation. And if you have questions, if you have doubts, God bless you. Welcome to the human condition. Remain faithful. Do Bible things in Bible ways. Speak where the Bible speaks. Be silent where the Bible's silent. And call Bible things by Bible names. Just just do, do what God says. Remember, hereby do we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments. His commandments aren't grievous. They're not hard to understand even. And so if you have doubts, if you have questions, just go back to what you know. Just do what's in the Bible. Thank you so much for the positive feedback, everybody. We really appreciate it. I cannot believe how many people are watching today. Uh, for all of those that are watching on Christianity Now streams, be sure and share this from YouTube if you don't mind. And also be sure and hit the subscribe button and the notification bell. Give us a thumbs up. And for those of you that are watching in the Christianity Now group, uh, thank you so much for that. And for those of you that are watching in Christianity Now Facebook page, remember, interact with all these platforms. And if you want to um, support us monetarily, my suggestion is go to Substack and do it for $5 a month. And that's all I've got. God bless you. And remember, the archive of this audio can be found on Cogitations Podcast, um, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and Podbean amongst others. And that's all we've got. God bless you. And we'll catch you on the flip side.